And it's, I mean, there's plenty of bands, like big bands who don't live in the same city as each other. Like you can just record shit and send it over email um, super easily. You don't even need to drive to each other's house. You can just brainstorm ideas. Um, and I guess you've got to kind of think, well, it comes down to what, what you want out of being in the band. Like if people, are, for the sake of this talk, we kind of assume that these people are serious about it. They're in the band. They want to fucking kind of make a career out of it. They want to see how far they can take it. They're dedicated, all of that. Um, and if that's the case, you know, seeing the investment of, all right, guys, let's let's look at four to six months. We want to have a setup where we can record all our own demos and we want everyone to be slightly competent, at least in most parts, um, because we know that in 12 months, 16 months, three years from now, we're just going to be able to do these demos at pace and it's going to make the big, the big picture process a lot easier. Um, like if you look at it in that terms, really, it's, it's a fucking no-brainer that bands should have a basic understanding of how they're recording. Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, PR and strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years, both as a musician and professional digital marketer specializing in the music industry, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you have been doing really well. I've had such a good week because my band's latest single, which is called Like a Ghost, actually dropped last Friday. So we've just been, I guess, managing all the press that has been coming through, getting our social media game on point, and it's just so exciting when you release new music, especially if you've been holding on to it for a few months. And I'm actually running a group called The Music marketing and mindset VIP group. And what it is, is it's a subscription group where I have a bunch of people. There's about 15 or 17 of us in there and they are following along with the behind the scenes of this single release. So I basically showed them like the behind the scenes of what it was like to set up for this single release. Uh, then going through, you know, the actual release itself, the stats, social media assets that we were preparing, how to, you know, apply for Spotify playlists, how the PR campaign is working. Basically every single thing that goes into releasing new music, they got to see behind the scenes of, and we've got a week and a half of it left. So, um, that has been really fun actually sharing that experience with a whole bunch of like, really cool musos. We do a live every single Monday. And what I will be actually doing is turning, um, this five week live program into a course. So, um, keep an eye out for that because honestly, this is probably my favorite thing that I've put out there. Not just because I was so excited to release this song and I really believe in this song. Um, but just, I don't know, to have this kind of group atmosphere and to be able to do something live and be able to chat to people live that has been invaluable. But I also think that, you know, putting it into a course that people can come back to time and time again, and then reverse engineer the exact steps that my band has done, um, in releasing this song and be able to literally, you know, reverse engineer and apply that those same techniques to their own band is really going to be invaluable because there's not a lot of transparency out there when it does come to releasing new music, when you're an emerging band. And I do see a lot of bands 
missing a lot of really, really important steps when they're launching, you know, a single EP or album. And these are mistakes that I see each and every day. And I've been lucky because I've worked in media for so long and I've been in bands for so many years and in marketing. So I really have the release strategy down pat. And of course, this is what I teach in my coaching or consulting business as well. And I've also included a whole bunch of resources in there, such as marketing templates and um, just little things that are going to help, I guess, with the setup of the release of the new music. So yeah, I don't know. It's just my favorite thing that I've probably put out so far. And I've put out a couple of courses now. I mean, I love them all, but um, this has been really cool because it's real. You know, there's a lot of music marketers out there that can tell you what to do. And I'm kind of in this unique position where I can actually show you what to do. And I am in an emerging band myself. My band's only been around about 18 months. So I'm in this um, really amazing position where I can literally document my journey and use my band as kind of guinea pigs in terms of what's working and what isn't. And especially with this VIP group, I'm pretty blunt and pretty straightforward when it comes to what hasn't worked. And yeah, if you are interested in that course, then the best thing to do would be to sign up for my mailing list, which you can do at monicastrut.com because that will be where I will share um, the news once the course is actually available. I will be launching it in a couple of weeks after the live round has finished. And yeah, I, I'm just so stoked with it. And the feedback I've been getting so far has been awesome. So definitely sign up for my mailing list and um, get involved. But as far as the actual song itself, it's called Like a Ghost, as I mentioned before. And we did do a video clip for it, which we are promoting as a lyric video, just because um, it kind of allowed us to be a bit more creative and go in like a pretty artistic direction with the actual video. And there's a few reasons for that, which I do explain in the course uh, from the VIP group, which I was just talking about. But I would absolutely love if you could check out the video, leave us a comment. Um, it's basically a cross between the songs, basically a cross between bring me the horizon and ginger. That's how I've been explaining it. It's got a little bit of a new metal vibe. Um, it's definitely, uh, our best songs so far, if I do say so myself, I mean, that has been the consensus from the media and from the people that have heard it so far. So definitely go check that out. I'll link the video below. But in terms of today's podcast, I'm actually bringing you a interview with Bennett Ferguson, who runs Marshall Street Recording and Rehearsal Studios here in Melbourne. Bennett and I connected via Instagram a little while ago, probably at the beginning of the year, definitely over six months ago now. And he contacted me because he is a, um, you know, social media marketer as well. And he was actually in the process of building the Marshall Street Recording and Rehearsal Studios. So it was really cool because we, we met up for a drink in person kind of talked shop a little bit and the power of in-person networking is really really invaluable I mean we are really lucky in this day and age to have the internet and of course there is so much you can do with social media after all but if you do have the ability to meet up with someone in person I highly recommend it there's just something about seeing someone face to face feeling out their energy uh you know seeing whether you vibe with them checking out their mannerisms like seeing their facial expressions and and, you know, that human element that kind of 
allows you to decide whether or not you trust someone. In fact, I actually met up with um, one of my mates, Matt Bacon, who's from New York, but we were both in Sydney at the same time. We were both kind of like, we almost high-fived at the airport, but we did manage to squeeze in a lunch um, on Sunday. And he's a music marketer as well, and one half of the Dumb and Dumbest podcast with Curtis Dua, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And um, I met up with him and one of the um, booking agents here in Australia from Your Mate Bookings, who mainly looks after um, Doom and Stoner kind of metal bands. And, you know, that was just another example of the power of in-person networking because it just allows you to connect on that deeper level with people. But anyway, I digress. So um, I met up with Bennett a little while ago and I was able to kind of see the process of him building Marshall Street Studios because they literally built it from the ground up and they documented everything particularly via Instagram stories. And the guys that work for like Marshall Street Studios or that own it, they are absolutely hilarious. Like I was so invested in the whole process of building this studio. So essentially today, um, you know, you'll hear the interview with Bennett and we talk about, you know, the recording process and what bands really need to do in order to demo up and do their own pre-production. I mean, you know, speaking of the internet, we are very, very lucky in this day and age that bands have the ability to set up a home recording studio for pretty cheap. And actually one of the engineers, Stu, pipes in halfway through the interview and actually gives a really detailed breakdown on what a band needs in order to set up their home recording studio and a bit more in terms of like the technical aspects of setting up, um, you know, a space to record. So that was really cool to have him kind of chime in in the middle there. And yeah, we touch a little bit on social media and, um, you know, promotion and stuff, but this is going to be of particular interest if you're kind of looking to get your own home recording set up and you just want to know a little bit more about it. And you also want to, I guess, get some really kind of straightforward forward advice from, uh, someone who's really knowledgeable in social media as well. And yeah, so without further ado, here is my interview with Bennett Ferguson from Marshall Street Studios in Melbourne. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm here today with Bennett Ferguson, who is the uh, the owner of the uh, Marshall Street Studios here in Melbourne. He is a producer, a studio owner, as I said, an artist consultant and all-round social media guru. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Monica. No worries. So for the peeps listening, can you, I guess, introduce yourself, give us a bit of background about your history because, uh, you know, what you were doing before you opened Marshall Street and, yeah, what you do? Yeah, done. Um, so I was DJing for the DYE uh, from about 2011. Uh, that turned into Otis High. Um, we played toured, um, did shows till about 2017. Um, that's kind of what my, got my foot in the door of the music industry. Um, yeah, DJing, producing, making hip hop. Um, then back in 2015, I was studying um, sound at NMIT in Fairfield. That was when I kind of went in and wanted to open studios. So I went about starting the studios then. Um, 2017 opened just as rehearsal studios initially. Uh, we were still playing and touring. We did our last show shows then at the start of January. Um, then 
we just kind of music just became a bit of a backburner thing and I focused more on the actual studios, um, running the business. There was a few little uh, holes in the industry that I'd seen that weren't really being addressed. So I went back, did about 18 months of renovations um, to the joint, then reopened again this year in March. So about six months ago, reopened to the public um, and it is kind of the facility that it is now. That's awesome. What led you to kind of decide to go back and study um, audio? Uh, to study it, I just thought I was bad at it. And so okay. I wanted not to learn it. <laughs> uh, when you're in studios and people are talking about shit that you don't know and using stuff that you don't know how to use, you're like, fuck, I've either got to learn this or I'm not going to be important in the room anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's fair enough. Um, you mentioned some holes in the industry um, where you, where you kind of saw a need to be filled. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more? Uh, yeah, I can a little bit. There's still a few things that are going to be coming out uh, a bit later. Um, but there's just a lot of segregation in terms of where artists go to get their stuff done. There's a lot of different information coming up from different resources, whether it's from a um, mixed engineer, the, the gap between what a mastering engineer is telling you. A lot of people don't really know what these jobs entail, so there's some confusion in the back end. Um, uh, yeah, kind of being having to go to a lot of different places to kind of go through the journey of initiating the idea of a song, re- recording it, producing it, um, learning how to release it, how to run socials, how to build your personal brand, um, how to actually get the song kind of distributed on the radio, um, and then how to kind of play shows, structure a live show, like everything that kind of goes into being an artist. Um, there, there just wasn't really somewhere or a resource or someone you could use that goes and gives you kind of advice on the whole package. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is that is so true because often, you know, there'll be there'll be bands that I work with and they would have recorded, but then they just have really no idea what to do after it. And there's been some producers that I've worked with that are kind of trying to fill that, not fill the gap, but kind of you know, ask artists, okay, well, what's the release plan for this single or this EP or album or whatever? And they kind of don't know. And so the producer ends up just trying to give advice. They don't really have the time or the resources or, you know, the depth of knowledge that's required. So to have like a one-stop shop from the end-to-end process is so beneficial in my eyes. I really want to talk to you so much about social media and branding and everything like that. But I'm also really keen to know, especially because um, Stu's sitting in the background there, about the setup of the studio. Oh, hey, um, because that is something that, you know, when we connected over Instagram, um, I started watching the stories and kind of watching the documentation of well, the documenting of that setting up of the studio process. And it was so so interesting to watch but for anyone listening that is curious maybe they want to set up their own studio or even a rehearsal space sometime in the future or curious as to yeah just that side of things like where like where do you start so obviously you had to build the thing yeah um there was that so when when I uh, bought the building it was just an empty warehouse so it was just forcing the block walls so we did the entire fit out um, there's 10 studios, um, three, three of them are interconnected, so they're all patched into the control room, uh, which are the live rooms coming off it. There's still another seven independent studios, which bands and producers rent out full-time, um, so they can rent them for anywhere from three up to 12 months um, or longer. Um, but there's, yeah, there's a lot involved. It's similar to any starting of any business um, in that you can have an initial plan 
but you're going to have to adjust and pivot along the way if you're going to kind of get to a goal that you want to get to. Nothing's set in stone. You don't know anything going in. Like all you can do is put together your best plan with what you know at the time. And I think the important thing is being able to move forward and adjust and pivot with what the market decides um, as opposed to thinking you've got the right solution for a problem that isn't there. Did you have any like mentors or anyone sort of advising you on this or was it kind of just your own research and learning along the way? Um, In terms of the actual build, it was kind of I just – learned kind of along the way I had some background so I'm an electrician as well so I've got a background in construction um studying audio audio gave me um, a background in sound um and kind of dealing with that especially when it comes to the actual designs of stuff um I had Jack the Bear he started mentoring me in 2016 17 oh that's awesome uh but and that was I mean we just talked about fucking life really like I think I don't think well, we probably talked about music a handful of times, but I mean, really, we just go through a lot of the mindsets around life. Um, you know, he's a firm believer, and one of the first things he told me early was like, "Man, if, if you got shit going on with you in your personal life, if it's a relationship, something in the family, like that's the stuff we're here to talk about." Because um, every all the other aspects of your life are gonna, you're either gonna make good tunes if you're in a good headspace, or if you got shit that's eating at you, and you know you're not in a great place personally, that's just gonna come through in your music as well. Um, mm. So, you know, anyone who follows him knows he's a big um, mindset guy. So really, we just kind of talk about fucking life um, more than studio stuff. Yeah. Um, but we so even now through the podcast, we've got the No Guts, No Glory podcast. This is the first time we've kind of gone in depth um, with each other about studios, um, clients, how to get clients, keeping them, um, dealing with them, all the sort of stuff that goes into running a business. Um, yeah, we just never really touched on up until now. But, yeah, I kind of just learn as I went, as I did it. I'll leave that podcast linked down below because I'm super excited. Has it actually launched yet? Yeah, yep, there's two episodes up. Oh, cool, cool. I obviously need to subscribe to that. (laughs) Um, No, that's awesome. I um, was lucky enough to do a podcast interview with Jack the Bear like a couple of months ago and, yeah, we pretty much just talked about the same thing, mindset. He's super into that and so am I. So, um, yeah, that's so exciting. Um, but in terms of like the practical side, so we've talked about, you know, you came from a construction background and audio background. So what, what, like what gear would you need in order to like bare minimum to start setting up your own studio? Um, yeah, setting up, setting up a home studio is, I mean, these days, the best thing you can do starting out because the, you know, the price to get in the game, the cost of entry is when you said there's never been lower. For minimum spend, you can get fucking mad gear. You can acoustically treat your room fucking basically. You can get a dope sounding fucking product um, with minimum outlay. Old Stu can probably weigh in on this. What's yeah. some um, what's some fucking tips for people at home? Uh, well, I guess when I first started, first thing I did was get a computer because um, you need that. That's um, a good start. Do anything without the computer, really. Um, Actually, before that, I got a four-track recorder. That that's because I'm really old. Let's be old. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I guess you just need an interface if you want to be recording stuff. If you're doing electronic music, you don't even need that. You just need a MIDI MIDI controller. Um, but yeah, as soon as it comes to recording vocals or guitars or anything like that, you need an interface, a decent microphone, um, and that's your starting point. Really, um, where you go from there is kind of up to you. Um, you can learn the shit out of plugins and 
all that sort of business and get really good at that if you really want to go down the production side of things. But if you just want to, you know, record your demos and that sort of thing, then that's really all you really need to get started and you can take it to someone else from there. Yeah. Do you have an interface that you recommend for beginners? Uh, I mean, there's so many, but... Whatever one's within your price range on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, Yeah, fair enough. If you want some better preamps, you can start looking at like, you know, like Focusrite and Mackie and all that sort of stuff. But really, there's so many out there that the point is to to record the music. You know, don't try and think of the restrictions. Try and think of how can I get this done. That's that's the, the way that you need to look at it. Change your mindset if you're thinking about what the restrictions are. Don't let anything stop you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Especially, you know, it's so it's so beneficial, like even if just one person in the band has that kind of setup, even if it's just super simple, just to get the pre-production, just to get the demos because, you know, in my particular case, I've got band members that are scattered all around Melbourne. I have to drive 45 minutes to an hour in traffic just to get to rehearsals. So mm-hmm. to have the ability to record and then converse over uh, messenger or email or whatever the case may be and have a shared Google Drive is so, so helpful during the writing process. And then it helps, you know, people like you guys, you've actually got something to start from in terms of recording the real thing. Yeah, I And it's, I mean, there's plenty of bands, like big bands who don't live in the same city as each other. Like you can just record you and send it over email um, super easily. You don't even need to drive to each other's house. You can just brainstorm ideas um, and I guess you've got to kind of think, well, it'll come down to what, what you want out of being in the band. Like if people, are, for the sake of this talk, we kind of assume that these people are serious about it. They're in the band. They want to fucking kind of make a career out of it. They want to see how far they can take it. They're dedicated, all of that. Um, and if that's the case, you know, seeing the investment of, all right, guys, let's, let's look at four to six months. We want to have a setup where we can record all our own demos and we want everyone to be slightly competent, at least in most parts. Um, because we know that in 12 months, 16 months, three years from now, we're just going to be able to do these demos at pace and it's going to make the big, the big picture process a lot easier. Um, like if you look at it in that terms, really it's it's a fucking no-brainer that bands should have a basic understanding of how they're recording. Absolutely. And, you know, if you don't have someone in the band currently that knows how to do all that stuff, then, someone, you know, the person that is I'm most passionate easy. about it should start learning, <laughs> I would suggest. Yeah. I have an inbox that has been sitting in a box, another bo- an inbox inside a box for like 10 years. Is that a paperweight now? <laughs> uh, you can still use it. Yeah, you can use it. Handles it. Like if, you, if you've got the inputs for it and it'll work. Uh, I don't. <laughs> software and stuff like that. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to be looking for older computers, which is pointless these days. Yeah, I got it when I was like at uni and it was good for like recording demos and vocals and stuff like that, but I haven't touched it in 10 years because, you know, recording just isn't my zone of genius, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, I always wondered about that. I'm like, should I throw this out? I don't know what to do with it, but yeah. Marketplace. Mm. Just give it to someone that... Yeah, give it to someone who needs it. Yeah, exactly. Will do. Um, cool. Well, I was mentioning before that your following the build of the studio on social media was really, really fun. And it allowed me to kind of see you guys' personalities and kind of, I mean, I still haven't been there and I still, I know I still need to go there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we need to like work that out. But um, it kind of gave me a sense of, you know, it it gave me a sense of you guys' characters and your friendship and it made me kind of invested, I suppose, in the, in the business, even though I'm not actually in the business, was what 
was that what led to, I don't know, was that intentional, like, uh, of your decision to kind of document this whole journey? Of course. Well, there you go. (laughs) That answers that question then. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you know, I think that a lot of bands are kind of, they get stuck easily on what content to create and they don't know what to post and I always think, that the easiest way to kind of think of new content ideas is simply to document your life. And I think that, you know, what you guys do on Instagram is such a good example of that. Do you, I mean, do you ever get stuck for content ideas or do you just film random shit? (laughs) Stu? No, his brain goes at a hundred miles an hour. So just coming up with the most ridiculous stuff all the time. You know, we kind of just like go with the flow and see what works. If something ends up being better than the other thing that we do, then that's what we stick with really. Do you track any of your analytics or is it kind of more sort of organic? Like do you actively go and track, you know, what posts have worked and and what hasn't maybe worked so well? Uh, at this point, no. I completely ignore everything. Um, yeah. that, that, um, that's very intentionally because I do have a bigger – um, picture a bigger campaign that's going on. Um, you know, it was very intentional for the start X amount of months that I completely didn't care what any number said. Yeah. Um, and even in that, like there's, if people kind of look at what we, we've got different almost layers of content in terms of how we kind of go about stuff. There's super polished stuff, which obviously we care about the editing and there's other stuff that goes to stories, which is straight what it is, what you see. Um, so, I mean, you know, we don't run out of content because on any one of those parts, you, you just see what's happening here. Like we don't, we're not pretending, we didn't pretend to build the fucking place and then videoed that. Like yeah. it's just turning on the camera to what's happening here. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you, I mean, is that something you would advise? I mean, you mentioned keeping the more polished stuff to the feed and then maybe the not so polished stuff to the stories. Is that something that you care about? Uh, I think it depends, depends on the individual, what they're going at the end of it, the clearer picture you can have on what you want out of your social media audience, what you're trying to build, why you're building it, how you're actually going to give them shit to learn value. Um, the clearer idea you have out of that, that will just go and dictate how you go about your content. How how does, so for a band that's kind of just starting out with their social media presence, maybe they're a brand new band or perhaps they're a band that have been around a little while, but they've kind of struggling to get, you know, more than a thousand likes on Facebook, for example, how, like, how do you figure out, you know, that, you know, message that you want to convey to your audience and how do you start, I guess, build, like building those channels? I'd start with, are my, re- my expectations realistic? If people are looking to get a thousand likes on Facebook, like, they might just have a bad understanding of Facebook and how it runs its organic reach. You're never going to do that. Bring me the horizon, have like 5 million fucking followers. They have diehard fans. Their posts, some of them don't even do a hundred likes because Facebook doesn't show it to people. If you yeah. want to build a brand, a big page on Facebook, you're seven years too late. Like it's just, unless you want to pay for it, you're just not going to get the, the reach. Facebook's told everyone this, everyone fucking knows it. Um, so I'd take a better look at the um, each platform. If you're trying to build it on Instagram, then I mean, it's, yeah, it's 
a lot easier to do get reach. You can actually build a page on Instagram at the moment. That being said, I wouldn't take anything away with the with how valuable Facebook is. Um, people go to Facebook to validate what they do in the real world and online. Um, so if they hear about your band, if they see a gig, usually the first thing they'll do, and it's shifting a bit, but even before Instagram, is they'll go to Facebook just to validate what they've heard, what they've seen from a friend. If they've seen a poster, cool, does it make sense on online? Like, um, are all those kind of boxes checked for them to proceed with their trust in your band or your personal personal brand or, or what you're trying to build? Yeah, for sure. I think a, a lot of bands kind of put too much emphasis on the numbers. And as you said, with the organic reach, so, so dead in terms of Facebook. Um, I mean, a lot of people still get kind of annoyed that they have to pay to get sponsored posts if they want, you know, if they want their posts to kind of get anywhere, but it's just the way of the world now. Um, but why did like, I don't, I've never, I don't get everyone that uses the same Facebook. Yeah. Certain that, people, sorry? like everyone uses the same Facebook. Like, like yeah, no one in the same boat. That every, yeah. Why? And people, uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but at the end, end of the day, like it's kind of more about the quality of the followers in terms of how many followers you do have rather than the quantity. I think that we've seen a real shift. The followers are a byproduct. Followers are a symptom of you putting out good shit. Um, you know, if you're putting out good tunes with fucking interesting videos and interesting pictures, every if you're doing all this, um, you'll build an audience because you're putting out good shit. I think if you don't get to the place you want or you haven't built, if you're doing everything you think you can as best as you can do it and you're putting in fucking reporting and going, cool, this worked and this, and you do that for six months, 12 months, and you don't see any results, I think then there has to be a case, all right, what are we actually doing? Is our content any good? Are we, you know, is is it any good? At some point has to be the question. Okay, so if a band comes to you and they're like, we've got 300 Facebook followers, we've been around like a year and a half and we've released this album, we just feel like no one's hearing it, we're not getting exposure, a lot of... Um, yeah, a lot of people seem to be wanting this buzzword exposure, which I actually hate, but it, it's, I guess, sums it up, I suppose. So if a band comes to you and they're like, we've got like 300 Facebook likes, we've been around like a year and a half, we've got an album and, you know, we see we're like posting, like we feel like we're posting regularly, like what would the first thing be that you would do? Um, I go and look at how they're using each platform. Like, are they posting as much as they think they're posting or are they somewhat full of shit? Um, is there the content they're doing? Are they just making one post that goes across everything? Like, let's let's see what their actual current behaviours are. Um, does that map to one, what everyone thinks in the band? Sometimes even just getting everyone in the band to say their expectations or what they want out of it, getting everyone to voice their own opinions on a matter um, can sometimes be revealing that people aren't, weren't always on the same page or they didn't always think the same way. Um, but first is just looking at what they're actually doing. What are they doing right now? Um, do they actually have an end game, an end goal, where they want to get to in six months? You know, it's all well and good to say, cool, I want to build it to 5,000 followers. Like, then what are you doing? What's your step to get to 2,000? What's your step to get to 1,000? How are we breaking this down into a day-by-day plan to actually get there? What do you say to those bands? Because usually there's um – something I've noticed is there's usually like one person in the band who is super, super gung-ho about like the social media and then they might have two or three or four members who are kind of like, well, we don't understand it. We don't think it's important. We're all about the music, man. How do you deal with that dynamic within a band? Do you have any, have you come across that in your work at all? Um, yeah, 
in so in terms of hands on, I deal more now with um, businesses and social media consulting for them. Um, but even with them, similar rules apply. First thing, if that happens, it's just the band needs to have a chat in terms of what they want out of the band. If some of them are super gut, there might be one dude who wants to give this fucking all for the next five years and another dude who just wants to do it on weekends in between shifts because it's a fun thing to do. Um, so they need to have that discussion about why they're in the band and what they actually want out of it. I love that. I think that that's one of those awkward conversations that kind of a lot of bands don't think to have until it's time to say, drop a whole bunch of money into an album or a really sick video or even worse to go overseas. I've seen it so many times where a band does like their first overseas tour. And then one guy who works at like the local chicken shop (laughs) can't get time off work and unfortunately can't tour overseas because the simple fact is he just never was serious from the start. So I really, really recommend that basically as soon as you can. I mean, obviously, if you're in a band right now and you've been together for a couple of years, then just do the conversation now. But sitting down, like when the band first forms and just having that discussion, what do you want to get out of it? Do you want to tour overseas? And like everyone just like put all their goals on the table because as soon as there's that misalignment, then that's when it it kind of ruins (laughs) it. kind of, you know, that's when opportunities can kind of fall by the wayside because, you know, someone kind of ruins it for everyone or the people just don't want the same things. Yep, definitely. I think putting that down, having the goals is important. I think also ensuring that you understand what actions need to be mapped to that. If you, if people are cool, I want to tour internationally. Um, let's all be clear that you're going to miss out on a lot of shit in your personal life. You're going to not see weekends. You're going to be playing shows, probably shitty shows at the start to build something for the next three or four years. So Thursday through Sundays are gone. Um, if you've got a partner, usually it's not nine to five hours you work. It's after hours, it's late, there's partying, you're at pubs. If this is going to be an issue, then, you know, let's talk about these things now. I think a lot of people, it's all well and good to go, cool, these are my goals. But are you actually prepared to do one? Do you know what's involved? Have you seen someone who runs at this level that you want to run at? Are you prepared to do that? Like, are you prepared to say no to your buddies for the next four years to go and to go to band practice or to go film a clip that doesn't even end up getting released because the fucking footage got lost? Like, is are these things, are you down for them or do you just want what's at the end? And I was listening to a podcast actually before we jumped on the call and um, the girl was talking, she's a business coach and she was talking about the term sacrifices and how she doesn't like to actually use the term sacrifices because when you're foregoing one thing for say your band or your business or whatever the case may be, it's not actually a sacrifice. It's just choosing what your priority is. And if you start thinking of it as a sacrifice, then maybe you don't love the thing enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I think sometimes it's the people who choose the word sacrifice. Yeah, you're giving up. You've got to choose something. It's what, what's your priorities? What's your priority list look like and do you stick to it? I mean, yeah. by that, there's going to be stuff you can't do. Yeah, it's like I don't look at it as a sacrifice that I don't have to play hockey every week. I, I've got no intention to. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's just the word sacrifice. Yeah, I agree with that. It shouldn't be a sacrifice because you should be doing what you think is a priority. Yeah. Definitely. And being with like-minded individuals as well that are kind of on that same path to you is so important in, um, I guess, sticking to those like priorities because it's so easy for, you know, your parents to be like, oh, you're missing out on so much or your friends to be like, oh, you missed, you know, you missed out on this like sick gig or sick time at the pub or something like that. But if if you surround yourself with kind of like-minded people, I find that really helps. 
Um, tell us about the events, the networking events that you guys hold at, at the studio. Uh, yeah, the social club. Uh, so we do it every about six weeks or so. It's just an open, so we just open the studios. Uh, there's a drum kit and the amps and stuff set up in there. So people can go and have a jam with other people. It's just basically a big get together for musicians, um, managers, producers, people in the industry to just get together, talk about um, how they release tracks, how they might make, make tracks, um, you know, forming bands with each other. Um, yeah, so it's a free event. We usually put on food. There's a barbecue or something. And it's just kind of a yeah, an open invitation to come check out the studios, have a jam with people you wouldn't have usually been in the same room with um, and just talk to other people that are doing sort of the same thing that you probably just wouldn't have crossed paths with. Yeah, for sure. So if you're kind of, I know that's one thing when I moved to Melbourne, it was really hard to kind of find like-minded people that, you know, because you're starting over in like a new city. So if there's anyone in that boat right now, this is like a really, really good place to start in terms of connecting with like other musos and people in the industry and stuff like that. So it's really cool and it's free, right? Like anyone can just rock up and yeah, yeah, and come out and have a barbecue and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, dudes usually bring their own instruments. So there'll be dudes who bring down bass, um, you know, guitar. We've had a harp. Um, yeah, there's been a heap of cool shit. Usually ends up in a pretty sweet jam. Um, hey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, we usually have a bit of a listening at the end of it as well. So producers who have beats, um, yeah, we end up kind of sitting around and just listening to each other's tunes. Just a good kind of, um, yeah, good environment to collaborate with other people in. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I feel like there was a lot of valuable information kind of just like stuck in there. So um, where can people follow you and follow the studio and you personally and, yeah, come to one of those jams? Yeah, definitely. Um, studios, yeah, Marshall Street Studios, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Cool. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, to you as well, for chiming in on that uh, info about recording studios and yeah i'm sure i'll speak to you guys soon